welcome to Pursuit Church Podcast, where we give those far from God the opportunity to pursue Christ. We are so glad you are here, and wherever you're listening from, we believe God has a word for you through today's message. Welcome everyone to Pursuit Church. We're so very happy that you can join us on this wonderful Mother's Day morning, and to all of our mothers on behalf of Pursuit, we say we wish you a wonderful Mother's Day. We love you, we appreciate you, and it's not easy to be a mother, so I'm told. So we wish you the best Mother's Day. Before you're seated, I want to read from the book of Numbers, chapter 21, starting with verse 4 through 9. Numbers, chapter 21, starting with verse 4. I spoke about that song, Jaira, last week in my message, and then they practiced it all week, and they sung it for us today, and what a wonderful job. Numbers chapter 21, starting with verse 4. Then they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom, and the soul of the people became very discouraged on the way. And the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water, and our soul loathes this worthless bread. So the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and many of the people of Israel died. Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people. Then the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole, and it shall be that everyone who is bitten, when he looks at it, shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent, and he put it on a pole, and so it was. If a serpent had bitten anyone, when he looked at the bronze serpent, he lived. This morning I want to speak on the vicious vipers. The Lord bless you. You may be seated. The events in our text occur near the end of Israel's 40-year journey through the wilderness. God had delivered the children of Israel from Egypt about 40 years earlier, and it took them two years to reach the Jordan River. But when they finally arrived at Jordan, they refused to cross over the river into the promised land. And because of their lack of faith, the Lord sentenced the entire nation of Israel to wander in the wilderness until every member of that generation died off, that is, except Caleb and Joshua. And so they wandered for 38 more years until they all died. But during that 38-year period, God was still faithful to walk with Israel to feed them with a manna every day, to give them water, to lead them from place to place, to protect them from their enemies. But the Israelites had grown tired of wandering through the wilderness. They were tired of God's plan. They were tired of the manna. They were tired of Moses. They were just sick and tired of wandering in that same old wilderness. And so they had become a very frustrated and a very discouraged people. Verse 5 says, And so the people began to speak against God. 
Just imagine the audacity and the arrogance it took for these humans to begin to speak against God. Because before God had chosen them, before God had saved them by his grace, they were just nobodies. They were just uh, common slaves there in the land of Egypt. And now they were speaking against their God. Then they began to reject God's promise. They began to say, why have you even brought us out of Egypt just to die in this wilderness? See, God had promised the nation of Israel that he would bring them to the promised land. It was a promise. He had his, they, they had his word on it. And yet they turned back to God and said, we don't believe you. And then they began to reject God's provision. They said, for there's no bread, neither is there any water, and our soul loatheth this light bread. See, God had provided them with bread every day. When they needed water, he gave it to them. He always gave them what they needed, but instead of it being a grateful environment, they were getting tired of eating that same old manna every day. And so here is a nation of people that God was trying to deliver. He was trying to lead them. And what should have been the sweet smell of God's goodness had turned into a whole bunch of complaints and criticism and anger and hatred towards God. See, that's kind of like our world today. The world breathes God's air and they eat his food and they drink his water and they enjoy all the resources on this world, and yet they despise God's word, and they reject his authority, and they refuse to live for him. They shake their fist toward heaven, and they boast of their sin and voice their hatred towards God. Every day and every way, the lost world proves that they really are just a wicked, lost sinner who are really in desperate need of a Savior. And so when we compare the world to Israel— we understand that the sin of Israel wasn't unique to Israel. It happens every day, even in our world today. What made their sin so bad is the fact that they knew God. They were in a relationship with God. They had his word. They had his presence. They had his promises and had seen him fulfill those promises time and time again. And yet they turned on him and rejected their deliverer. It becomes something serious, church, when somebody who has known God, who has opened their heart to the truth of God, who has had an experience with God, decides to go back to the place where his mercy and his grace pulled them out of, to know him, to give him your heart, to let him fill you with his spirit, but then fall back into the dark trenches of the world is the worst thing that a person can do. And here is a group of people uh, saying things like, you should have just kept us in the hands of Pharaoh. You should have just kept us in Egypt. Why did you even intervene, God? Why did you even deliver us? We don't want you anymore. And so the Bible says that God sent judgment upon them in the form of fiery serpents. Now, the serpent is a symbol of sin. We know that Satan disguised himself as a serpent in the Garden of Eden and throughout the Bible, the serpent is a symbol of sin and rebellion against God. 
And so sin is like a serpent. And if we allow it, sin can hold tremendous power over us. Sin is always there in the depths of our fallen nature, waiting like a cobra to strike us and fill us with its deadly venom. If sin is allowed to sink its fangs in your life, it will coil itself around you until it's choked all the life out of you. It will not stop until it has destroyed all of you. In the scripture, they were called fiery serpents. I think that they were called fiery serpents because of the intense pain that they would inflict on their victims. They were most likely a type of viper found in the Middle East. The bite of these Middle Eastern vipers is said to be quite powerful. Here are just a few symptoms. The injection of venom initiates a fiery pain at the site of the bite. Swelling begins right away. Discoloration at the site of the bite varies from reds to purples and dark blue. Victims would experience vomiting, stomach pains, and cramping. Victims begin to experience extreme thirst. The liver and kidneys are damaged from trying to filter the toxins. Nosebleeds, as well as bleeding from the mouth and eyes, are common. The viper's venom destroys blood cells, and a person will usually bleed to death internally. Quick deaths from a viper's bite are unusual. Generally, the suffering is prolonged for one, two, or three days, but then death will come. And so we are told that these serpents were deadly. We are told that much of Israel had died. And those serpents represented sin. The Bible says, but every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. And interesting, uh, interestingly enough, the same serpent that inflicts death is the same serpent that likes to talk. He has a voice, and he'll tell you that God doesn't care if you sin. But contrary to the serpent's lies, there is still a fiery and a fateful punishment for those who die in their sin. The Bible says that sin is a debt. And when a person has a debt, either the debt is paid or the debtor is punished. Either your sin was paid for by Jesus Christ when he died on the cross, or you will pay for your sin. But somebody will pay for your sin. The sin debt will either be accomplished on the cross at Calvary, or it will be punished in the fire of hell. There is a real place, church, called hell. And all those who reject the cross, all those who reject his forgiveness, all those who reject Jesus Christ will spend eternity in a place called hell. Now, when you've been bitten by a deadly snake... There are only two things you can do. You can either sit there and stay there and wait for death to come, and it will, or you can get up and you can do something about it. And the Israelites chose to do something about it. They took three steps, three steps that everyone has to take to escape the fiery judgment of hell. First, there was conviction. The Bible says, therefore, the people came to Moses and said, we have sinned. They began to listen to the voice of conviction. 
then there was confession. The people went on to say, we've sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. See, true conviction is always followed by some sort of confession. In fact, confession not only follows conviction, but conviction actually enforces a confession. The sinner must get honest about his condition. And then there was repentance. The people went on to say, pray to the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people. And so instead of sitting there waiting for death, the Israelites got up. They listened to the voice of conviction. They confessed of their sins and they repented. And the solution that God gave the Israelites after they, after they had realized that they had sinned against the Lord, was to make a brass serpent and raise it up on a pole. Now, seems kind of odd, but there is some truth that we need to understand. The serpent symbolizes sin, while brass in the Bible is a symbol of judgment. Being lifted up on a pole pictures a curse. For the Bible says, cursed is everyone who hangeth on a tree. Do you see anything interesting here? The cure for the serpent problem took the form of what caused the problem to begin with. It was a serpent that bit them, but then it was a serpent that healed them. When Jesus went to the cross, he died, uh, he died to pay for our sins, but he was sinless. He was innocent. He never sinned, but he took those sins to the cross, and he died, and he paid the debt for us. And so again, the solution that God gave them for these vicious vipers was to make a bronze serpent, put it on a pole, lift it up, and if anyone who had been bitten by a vicious viper would just look at the bronze serpent, he would live. I know it seems kind of strange, but it's symbolic. The snake, as it has been raised on a pole, symbolizes Jesus Christ being raised on the cross. Now, let's take a moment. Let's go back to that day and try to imagine this Old Testament scene with me. Here's a man who has just been healed by looking at the serpent. He begins to go from tent to tent, trying to get other people to look. One man says, oh, but I'm too sick. I've gone too far. He then goes to a next, his next tent. He says, sir, if you'll just look, you'll be saved. And the man says, well, I don't feel like this snake bite is all that bad. In fact, I've seen other people that have been bitten a lot, a lot worse than I have. Then the man goes to a third tent. He says, sir, if you'll just look, you'll be saved. The man says, well, when I get better, I'll look. When I get my life straightened out and I get over this snake bite, when I find myself in a better place in life, then I'll come out of this tent and I'll look. He goes to a fourth tent. And a man says, oh, I don't believe in that brass serpent theory. I don't buy into it. I don't see any connection between a serpent being raised upon a pole and this snake bite that's killing me. I'm not interested. He goes to another tent. He says, sir, you're so sick. If you'll just look, the serpent, look at the serpent and you'll live. The man says, you know, 
kind of gotten used to the serpent. I've kind of gotten attached to the serpent. I would hate to give it up. I kind of enjoy the serpent. Now, this may seem all ridiculous to you, but it's just like sin. And we've all sinned and we've all received a bite from that serpent. And the vicious viper has bitten us all. But today, church, there is a cure. We have an answer. God has given us a solution and his name is Jesus. And he came in the form of a man. He carried all of our sin. He carried all of the snake bites. He brought them to the cross. And at the cross, he destroyed the stronghold and the penalty of the snake bite. Church, he destroyed the stronghold of sin and he destroyed the penalty that it was going to bring us. And at the cross, he paid our debt. And he's saying to the church, He's saying to the church this morning, just take a look. Take a look back at the cross. Your healing is at that cross. Somebody take a look. Your deliverance is at that cross. Somebody come out of your tent and take a look. Oh, he's breaking the chains at the cross. The salvation of your soul is at the cross. Like the man who went from tent to tent, trying to spread the good news to all those who were suffering. I am trying to rally the church. I'm trying to wake up the church this morning. Don't live any longer in that sin. Don't live any longer in condemnation. Don't let that snake bite take your life, but get up. Do something about it. Walk out of your tent and make a change. Take a look at the cross this morning. Run to the cross. Today there's a cross. Forgiveness is at the cross. Let your imagination wander back with me one more time. Can you hear the sobbing and the wailing all over the camp? Every family member across the entire nation of Israel has been affected by the bites of these vicious vipers. Eyes are red with weeping. Faces are filled with fear. Lotions and potions have been applied. Herbs have been compounded. Medicines have been consumed, for people are dying by the hundreds and the thousands. Young and old, it doesn't matter. They're perishing. Everywhere you look, there are funerals. Everywhere you turn, there are burials. Everyone is dying because of these vicious vipers. But then, all of a sudden, a shout splits the air. A cure, a cure, a cure. People who had been bitten, people who were dying, are now running in and out of other tents saying there is a cure. God has given us an answer. God has made a fix. And church, soon by the hundreds and then by the thousands, these fevered, pain-wrecked, dying snake victims run out of their tent because the man of God has a word and the word is there is a cure, there is a fix, there is good news. God has given us an answer. In another 10, a mother is bending over her dying son. She's just buried her husband. And now she knows she's probably going to have to bury her son. But all of a sudden, a neighbor rushes in and says, your son doesn't have to die today, for there is a cure for that snake bite. The mother with wide-eyed awe and amazement says, well, what do I need to do? She says, pick him up, get him out of this tent, and get him to look at that brass serpent on the pole. 
The mother brings him out of the tent. She says, look at it. She lifts up his head of that little boy. She pries open one of the eyes, and she says, son, look. That little boy looks, and the color comes back into his cheeks. The fever leaves his sweating brow. His headache stops. His limbs straighten out. His eyes open. His, he sits up. He stands up. He begins to shout. He begins to dance because he's been totally and wonderfully healed by the power of God today. I wish somebody would understand the message this morning. As vicious and as deadly as the viper's bite is, there is a cure. There is a fix. Jesus has come today, and there's no sin, no stronghold, no prison, no wall, no dark place that Jesus Christ and all of his power cannot deliver you from today. There's a fix. There's a cure. So where does this message find you today? Have you been bitten by the serpent of sin? Can you feel its poison working through your system? Are you aware of the pain and problems that sin has caused you? Are you conscious of the fact that you are going to die and when you do, you're going to go to hell if you die in that sin and not make a change in your life? Does that describe you? I agree, it's an awful thought. It's a terrible thought. The viper's bite is vicious. It's deadly. It will kill you. But church, you need to know that no situation in this place today is hopeless. If you're alive, there's hope. If you're breathing, there's hope. If you're here today, if you're listening to this message, there's hope. No matter how far you've fallen, there is hope. No matter how many snakes have bitten you, there is hope. Church, there is hope. There is hope. But you've got to come out of your tent. You've got to come out of that tent door. Come out of that place of darkness and backsliding. And look, you'll see a cross. And you'll see you don't have to die in sin. You don't have to die being condemned. There is an answer if you'll come out of the tent. His name is Jesus. Give it to Jesus. Surrender it to Jesus. Let Jesus break the chains. Let Jesus tear down the walls. Turn your life to Jesus. Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. For more information about Pursuit, visit PursuitChurchAR.com. Thank you for listening and see you next week.